You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Join us September 25th, 26th, and 27th for a three-day special streaming event, Strange Realities, to push the limits of your reality. Featuring authors, academics, researchers, occultists, experiencers, podcasters, and practitioners. All presenting fresh, cutting-edge material and research. Streaming live. Featuring presentations by Brent Rains, editor of Alternate Perceptions Magazine. Aaron Gullius, host of the Saucer Life Podcast. David Metcalf, writer and researcher. Alan Greenfield, author of Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. Stephanie Quick, writer and blogger. Red Pill Junkie, 14, researcher and explorer. Tim Banal, host of Banal of America. Guy Malone, iconoclast and troublemaker. Timothy Ritter, host of Strange Familiars. Kiki Dombrowski, author and practitioner. Greg Bishop, author of Project Beta. Jenny Ashford, host of 13 O'Clock. Recluse, host of The Farm. Jack Montgomery, Folk Magic. Joshua Cutchin, author of Thieves in the Night. Reverend Michael Carter, Alien Contact Experiencer. Dr. Future, host of Future Quake. Tony Kale, author of Memphis Hoodoo. Rin Collier, Occultist. Soraya Ascap, host of Where Did the Road Go? And John Tinney, Ghost Stalkers and Hell. All three days, only $20. Tickets and info available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Brought to you by the Conspiranormal Podcast. Conspiranormal.com. Strange realities. Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you've seen something strange, if you've had an encounter with the paranormal, a cryptid, a ghost, a UFO, or if you know of a story you think we should cover, you can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. As you may have heard in the opening, this weekend is Strange Realities Conference. I will be giving my talk on Sunday, but the conference is all weekend long. I think it starts Friday and goes through Sunday. I'm the second to the last speaker on Sunday. Who's the last speaker? Why, that's Joshua Cutchin. So we will be closing down the conference with two talks based on 
topics from Where the Footprints End, Volume 2, which is yet to be published. So you get kind of a preview of Where the Footprints End, Volume 2. Now, how does that work with as far as a writer when you're doing it virtually? Like, will I have to provide things? (laughs) (laughs) Will there be only green M&Ms available in the living room? Why, yes, indeed. (laughs) My talk is on disappearing evidence in the Bigfoot phenomenon. I've listened to it. It's decent. Thank you. (laughs) I think Josh is doing altered states of consciousness in the Bigfoot phenomenon. Will he be in an altered state of consciousness while he gives the talk? That's up to Josh. We'll see. <laughs> it's strangerealitiesconference.com if you want more information. I'm sure there's still tickets available as it's virtual and there's probably limitless tickets. You could even get a front receipt, theoretically. Theoretically, yeah. So tune into that. If you're going to attend the conference, I guess I, I won't see you because <laughs> it's virtual. But you will see me Sunday night. Lots of other big things in the works. I'm nearly finished the second Wilderness Geist full album. So I did the first one, and then I did the EP, Death is the Mother of Us All, which came with the Hellier set I did for Wilderness Geist. And then we made that available separately, just a few copies. You can find that on Bandcamp if you just want to download. The new Wilderness Geist is called Wilderness Geist Pandemonium. It's made using sounds recorded in Pandemonium. When Chad and I were there for our trip, I was trips. going to use those context clues and figure that out. <laughs> and some other sounds as well. I've added some other drones and music and so forth that I've played. But that should be coming soon. I have an art book coming soon. It's a lot of my illustrations I've done for paranormal topics. It's called Apparitions. That's forthcoming. I'll definitely be announcing that and taking pre-orders on that. I think what we're going to do is take pre-orders the first 50 people to buy it will get a trading card with the art book of course then the art book will be available uh, beyond that i'm not sure if that's going to be on amazon or not because we're getting it printed in a different way it'll definitely be available from us i'm going to try to get it on amazon but i absolutely don't know how to do that (laughs) (laughs) and of course josh and i are working hard on where the footprints end volume two so that is well on its way. I think we're just finished the editing stages, so I will start the layout and get going on it. A lot of things coming up from me. Stay tuned. We'll let you know when they're all available here for sure. Tonight we've got two guests. We've got Abra, who has a flannel man sighting. Actually, she didn't see it. Other people saw the flannel man in her home, though. That's almost worse. It is kind of in a way, right? Yeah. Like to know that other people are seeing this and and it's there. Uh huh. I really like this story too because it's one of those like where she didn't have a an idea that this was a phenomenon. I like people who come to it like just purely accidentally. um, Yeah, she mentioned it as like a ghost story in a Facebook group or something, and somebody saw it and said, "Hey, flannel man's a thing. This is a thing," and pointed her towards us. So that's always really cool when people don't know. Like you said, they don't know, like, flannel man's a thing, and then they discover it. Our second story is going to be with Lorraine, who checked in from Canada. She was riding her horse as a young woman and saw something very, very strange, something white and too big to be a deer or anything like that in the bush out there. So, But let's go ahead and hear Abra's story about the flannel man and some other strange things that happened around her house.
tonight we're talking with Abra, who has some what sounds like flannel man experiences. Did this happen in the house you're currently staying in? No, this actually occurred in my, my former residence. Okay. And as comfortable as you are, you can be as general as you want, but uh, you know, about where was this? You can give town, county, whatever you want. Sure. This occurred in my house in Landenburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. So what was going on? Oh boy. Well, I had a few incidents happen while we were living there. We lived there about eight years and um, we had just had twins and starting about Pretty much after the kids were born, we had a strange bunch of strange occurrences. But specific to the, I guess you want to call him the flannel man. What happened? Our first encounter was we had a we had a friend uh, come over, and she and her husband were sitting having dinner with us. And as she was pulling out of our driveway when she left, she said that she saw from our large picture window on the second floor, a man standing there, she said he was very large, very tall, and he was wearing a red and black, sort of a lumberjack looking thing, a uh, mm-hmm. lumberjack shirt. And I guess, you know, you'd call it a flannel shirt, but she said it was like a red and black plaid shirt. And um, he had a beard and he was very tall and he looked sort of like he was from a different time. And she said, to me, this was afterwards, and she said that she didn't know who he was or what he was doing there, and the next day she called me and told me this, and I said, I have no idea what you're talking about, and we found that to be very strange, obviously, because there was nobody else in our home except for us, and yeah, yeah. our second incident was really bizarre. My husband was home with our children, and I think we had a babysitter at that point. He was having a friend over. I was not there. Um, I was busy doing traveling for business. And my husband told me that his friend, Steve, who was up from Maryland, was sitting across from him. And they were basically sitting around having a couple of beers after dinner and just shooting the breeze. And his friend went ghostly white, totally pale, lost all the blood in his face, apparently. And he lost his mind. I mean, that's what my husband said. He said he never saw anything like it. He was just frozen. And then he said, I am leaving. I just saw a man in a flannel plaid shirt walk into a wall and I am leaving. This place is freaking me out. And he literally just jumped in his car and went back to Maryland. Wow. Like three hours home. And he never spoke about it again. He was very, very upset about it. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Was this house particularly old or was there anything unusual about it? No, that was the weirdest part was that the house, I believe, was built around 1974. And my husband's parents actually had owned the house previous to us moving in and they moved into a smaller house. So the house was a modern house. That's actually not terribly unusual for both hauntings and other stuff. Did his parents report anything unusual when they were living there? Well, it's interesting because they actually lived there with our niece before uh, my husband and I took over the ownership of the house. And my in-laws had never actually said anything to us, but I mentioned something that else that had happened where when I was upstairs 
tending to my children, I would hear laughter, like children playing jacks and a lot of laughter and sort of scurrying around the house and a ball being bounced and dropped like a little rubber ball sound. And my husband wasn't home. It was just me with the kids. And I had this happen very frequently. And we lived in a, in a rural area. So there was no way there was any noise or anything around or people walking in our house. Um, and I mentioned this to my niece. And uh, she said that my in-laws and she had experienced this many times as she was growing up in that house. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. How old were your children about the time when this was happening? Let's see. I'm going to say probably became fairly active from the time they were one till about the time they were about three years old. Okay. Interesting. Now, did you move or did this stuff just stop? No, we moved. Um, We moved when our kids turned four because we wanted to locate a little closer to my family. They live on the New Jersey side of the river. So, um, we wanted to, we moved about two hours north. Very, very interesting. Now, did you ever experience anything in this house other than hearing those sounds? Like, did yeah. you ever see anything? I did not see anything, but there were a few things that I, well, actually, I felt, I guess it, the way is I felt things and I heard things. So I never really saw anything. But um, one thing that is very strange is that I'd tell my husband that. In the middle of the night, I would periodically hear a loud knock on our door, and it would literally wake me up out of a sound sleep. And, you know, he really sort of didn't put any stock in it. And then one eve, one night, about, I don't know, somewhere around 3 o'clock in the morning, the other thing had always happened around 3 or 4 in the morning. And around 3 in the morning, there was a, several, I guess, two knocks, very, very loud knocks on our bedroom door. and my husband was woken up and I sort of said, now do you believe me? (laughs) He was really upset and he actually, you know, was very protective of me and he went out there. I don't know if he, I can't remember if he brought his baseball bat or what, but he wanted, he, I think he brought something with him. I can't remember what it was to the door and opened the door and there was nothing there. Yeah. Um, So that did happen. And he was witness to that. The other thing that periodic, uh, the other thing that actually, I did hear something else that was very strange. We had a friend over. He was was a very tall gentleman from Jamaica, and he was one of our friends. And he and I were talking about how I had experienced these very strange, you know, occurrences, which was like, you know, laughter. And I told him about the knocks and things like that. And literally, when I was telling him these stories, something I only heard one time there and he was witness to this was that we had both heard it and it was a man whistling to sort of calling like a donkey or a horse or something and jingling like hmm. some kind of like a harness or something. And it was like right in front of us. And I said, okay, this is really strange. And he was, he was again, quite concerned because he also heard this whole thing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, did you ever feel concerned about, you know, having young kids in the house or anything with this? Well, a little bit because again, something, we just had so many odd occurrences in this house um, that I'm thinking about. One of the strangest things that ever happened was that my son, who was just turning three and 
I wasn't sure what was going on with him, but I remember that he was in our home and he, my husband was born in Würzburg, Germany on an army base. And when he was growing up, he spoke German uh, for the, the first three years of his life, but he never ever used German in, with me or my son. Um, and my son was walking around in, in his room and he was speaking in German. And my husband witnessed this and he just looked at me. He said, did you teach him any German? I said, I'm looking at you because I don't speak a word of it. And so he started babbling in German and then, and he just kind of like marched around the room like a soldier and we couldn't figure this one out at all. You know, we basically put him in front of the TV for Sesame Street. So, you know, he had no, no, no contact at all with anything German, etc. So that was also very bizarre. Wow. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. And, yeah. and did this occur for a long period of time or just once? It, it happened a couple of times and then it just stopped. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. So like, I, I'm also a parent of twins and I'm wondering how I would, how I would receive that personally. You know what I mean? Like if my son was doing that, I'm trying to like, actually, like, I don't know. I don't know. How, how did you handle it? Like, was this a scary thing or? Um, well, no, I guess I was more in shock than scared. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on what I was witnessing. It was just something that just happened so quickly um, that I really didn't have any reaction time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did mention it to my husband, he sort of said, you know, he is speaking in German and he is marching around like a soldier and we couldn't figure this out at all. And he suggested, he said, oh, he was sort of joking. And he said, oh, well, maybe it was a past life or something. Maybe he was a German soldier. And I said, you know, anything is possible. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember anything, any of the words? I mean, I guess you wouldn't have known, but did your husband know any of the words that he was saying? You know, we never really spoke about it after it happened, um, but he did recognize it was sort of like um, German, like young, what sort of not babbling exactly, but I, he never really spoke about it. No, I don't recall him telling me what he said. Mm-hmm. Interesting. This is so interesting. Yeah. Wow. I ask this of, of everybody who has uh, these encounters or, or yes. you know, with, with Flannel Man. Have you... Or I suppose your husband or even your children, do, do you know, have you had uh, sleep paralysis experiences? Um, I don't believe any of us have had that. No, I've heard of this. As far as I know, none of us have had that. No. Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is going to be no, because I think you would have brought it up. But I, I do okay. ask because this is another thing that, that tends to happen. Any weird encounters with like ghostly or strange shouldn't be there black dogs? Hmm. No. Uh, However, and I'm not sure if this is connected, but we did have a series of three black cats that would come to us. They would always show up and they were extremely affectionate to my husband. And again, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but no, we never had anything like a black dog appear for no particular reason. Uh, Still very, very interesting stuff. That's so interesting. So um, moved away and the stuff just stopped? Yes, the thing stopped, but something happened to me, um, which again, I, I never really took much stock in these things. But after we moved, we moved into actually a very old house. Our house 
that we currently live in is uh, was built before the Revolutionary War, or uh, parts of it were, wow. and then it was added on to around 1790. Uh, we live actually right pretty much at the spot where Washington crossed the Delaware. Oh, wow. Um, on his way to, I believe it was the Battle of Trenton. And um, my husband and I, we, we lived here for quite some time, but we would periodically go on trips to see his parents, um, which was much further south. And en route, it was not unusual for me to get very strange feelings and goosebumps. And I would, I could smell gunpowder and I could taste it almost in my mouth. And this happened when we went, I, and I had no idea like what happened on these roads or whatever, but on certain parts of the roads where Maryland meets the Pennsylvania border, there were a lot of skirmishes and there were a lot of things, uh, you know, having to do with slavery and abolition. And I would always feel like if something violent occurred, I could almost sense it where we were going on the highway. And I would literally have goosebumps and the hair would stand on the back of my arms. And this Mm. happened not frequently, but, you know, we would just for fun, we would research where this occurred. And every time this happened to me, a major battle took place. Oh, so the feeling would happen first, then you do the research and find out like, oh, a battle took place there. Yes. Oh, that's very interesting too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Abra, for sharing your stories. I, sure. I love to get these flannel man accounts. I know you said uh, you, you were talking about it in a group and somebody said, hey, this is something that, that they talk about on Strange Familiars, I believe, right? So you hadn't heard about yeah. it before. I had never heard about it before. I'd never spoken to anybody about this before. It just seemed like, I, you know, I just have these memories of people who've, you know, told me about these things, so secondhand information, but I've had, you know, several people say exactly the same description. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the same guy people are seeing. I think it's not because some descriptions have them tall, some short, sometimes a beard, sometimes not. But yes. the the checkered shirt or the plaid shirt seems to be a the common thing and, and the sort of lumberjack look to the person. My, my wife actually saw one of these entities, woke up and, and it was standing above us. And uh, we were staying in her uh, childhood bedroom in her parents' house. And she woke yeah. up, and woke me up screaming. I never saw it. But, you know, <laughs> uh, wow. he was standing at our, at our feet looking down at us. And that was the first time I heard of it. And then uh, it, some years later, I came across, stumbled across the fact that other people were seeing, you know, this entity or entities that dress like this, whatever it is, and then uh, yes. realized it was, it was something people were seeing all over. So who he is or why, I don't know, but yeah. uh, a lot of people are seeing him. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh, well, thank you. You pointed out something that was quite profound yesterday. I doubt that, but what was it? (laughs) (laughs) That if you had started with 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy, when we started doing 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy ads, by now, you would have a perfect puppy. In some cases, the puppy would already be grown. (laughs) (laughs) It's not so much making the perfect puppy. It's about you and your puppy kind of learning to become perfect for each other. And 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you do that. They have a relationship-based approach to training. They have online sources with video lessons, a secret Facebook group. You can join the group and interact with other puppy owners. 
and they have one-on-one options available as well. You can find 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you with things like mouthing and biting, potty training, fear and nervousness, barking, if your puppy's chewing on furniture or shoes or other things they shouldn't be (laughs) chewing on, crate training, hyperactivity issues, leash training, and more. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can teach you what to do, but also, and perhaps more importantly, they can teach you what not to do. Again, you can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Tonight we're speaking with Lorraine, who has a very, very interesting encounter that happened in Ontario. And was this on your family's property? Yes. On and around. I don't know how specific you want to get in the location. You can be as general or specific as you want, but is it farmland? Yeah, I can I can narrow it down. Ontario's a pretty big place, right, so it yeah, needs, yeah. needs a little bit of narrowing down. Eastern Ontario, southeastern Ontario, uh, pretty close to the uh, the St. Lawrence. Most Americans will be, I guess, most familiar with that as a landmarker. Okay. And uh, about when did this happen, approximately? What year, I suppose? You know, since I first wrote to you, I've been trying to narrow it down as much as I could. And I was 11 years old, so that would, (laughs) to age myself here, that would have made it 1995-96. So late late 90s, that's the best I can pin it down. Mid to late, later side of the mid 90s. Go ahead and walk us into the story. Give us any background that you think is appropriate to it, and go ahead and walk us into your story. All right. So just a little bit of like more general background and context, I guess, would probably be good to kind of set the scene. So the area I'm talking about, very rural. If you're familiar with it nowadays, like I guess a lot of parts of uh, outside of major cities and everything, it's been built up and developed a lot, but back when this, I don't know, experience took place, I guess you would say. It was uh, it was very rural. So, like, my family's property was one of three houses on, like, a four-mile stretch of dirt road. Really very rural, like, a lot of farmlands, a lot of, uh, a lot of cedar forest, a lot of swamp. Not like, you know, northern Ontario, kind of total middle of nowhere, but... Very rural, you know, like not a very dense population. Right, yeah. Sounds actually kind of wonderful. <laughs> it was. It was It was really lovely. It still is a lovely place, I should say. Yeah, so my family had had that property for probably like five or six years at that point. Uh, my family had a horse farm, so fairly sizable place, good acreage and everything. Yeah, it's hard to know, I guess... Because my experience actually kind of comes at at the end of this story. So I'll start with kind of something that 
several family members kind of experienced or had sightings with. So I'll go, I guess, in chronological order. It would probably be the easiest way to go about it okay. rather than jumping around. Yeah, and actually it's funny. Since I first uh, wrote to you and, and knew that we were going to do this podcast, I've kind of like recruited family members, you know, to like jog their memories for me so I can kind of get this as straight. That's wonderful, though. I love when guests do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, and it was kind of, you know, it was kind of uh, like interesting and 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 fun for me too. So anyway, so like I said, we've been my family been living there for about five or six years. Very rural setting, uh, you know, very kind of isolated on our little dirt road. And I guess that so the first instance was uh, something that my stepdad experienced, and he was out off of our property, like a ways down but, you know, still in the same area. And uh, he was out with the dogs and off the road. Like, there's a fair amount of trails around there, like either old trails that connected um, the old farm properties or, like, uh, four-wheeler trails, horseback riding trails, stuff like that. So he was out out on a trail with with their dogs not far from the house, and he heard... Um, what he said was like a, a loud crashing through the woods. It sounded like trees being knocked over, like something, uh, something really large moving through the woods. And the dogs heard it, he heard it, and he said he just kind of caught a very faint glimpse of like something white moving through the trees a ways away from him. But uh, nothing that he could see clearly. Mostly it was just this noise that really got his attention and gave him a bit of a spook. So he just came home. You know, <laughs> he uh, he didn't want to uh, didn't want to investigate any further. Was out with the dogs, kind of thing. Like didn't want to put any of them in any danger. Wasn't really sure what it was, but it was enough to be like, all right, that's it. We're going back to the road and we're going home. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember hearing about that as a kid, like I can remember him uh, telling my mom about it and it just being kind of like, you know, just kind of like a one-off, you know, oh, there's something weird in the bush today. Like, you know, not really too freaked out about it, but just something odd, you know, something of note. Probably about a year after that, my older brother actually had the second kind of sighting or experience, I guess you'd say. And that was on the on the family property. And he was out back behind the barn washing horse water buckets, right? So kind of like, you know, focused on a task, like looking at the ground, not really looking around much. And the way he described it to me was as he was kind of working away, he didn't hear anything, but he... He just kind of like something, you know, made him look up for a second. And he says that he saw, then this is going to almost sound like predator style or something like that, but he says that out of the, when he looked up, out of the corner of his eye, he saw what looked like almost like, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the right word to describe it, like, like a seam. You know, almost like a picture flash or like a ripple, as you'd see on like a water surface or something, you know, like uh, or like a, a mirage kind of effect where you see that kind of wave on the road, except for it was off 
to one side of his vision. Um, I guess it would have been like going left to right, or that would have been uh, south to north, the way the property lies out. But anyway, so he sees this strange mirage kind of effect out of the corner of his eye looking up, and he said within one to two seconds tops from seeing this kind of mirage ripple, he saw a, just a white flash move in the same direction until another kind of mirage ripple occurred uh, at the end of the tree line and then it disappeared. And he said this was like a very, it wasn't like a flash of light where it took across like the whole sky or the whole horizon or the whole field of vision, but it was as if this flash moved, he said, anywhere from like 10 to 15 feet from the ground across his kind of line of vision until it disappeared again. And he said, although it was kind of the best way he could describe it was kind of like a light, it wasn't transparent. Like the white thing that he, I guess you could say, saw when he looked up, um, although it kind of acted maybe like a flash of light or something, it wasn't, uh, it was opaque. You know, like it looked like a, a textured, I don't know, image maybe. Like it had form to it. Yeah, yeah. Like although it, it kind of, it's like a, it's a, it's a wave and a particle or something like that, you know? Right. So just to kind of get a, a picture, he saw this sort of mirage predator sort of effect, and then this white kind of streak or or light comes out of that and then dissipates again, like across this field of vision on the other side into the mirage yeah. effect? Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He said there was no sound associated with it whatsoever, though, which was kind of freaked him out a little bit more, almost, he said, because it was like it seemed so much more unlikely that he would look up just in time to see that without any other notification or, or anything else to kind of make you look, you know, like... Mm -hmm. Just that kind of the odd timing of it and just that, you know, being really focused on a job but then just happening to look up and see this this anomaly all of a sudden, like just at the right time was part of the, the weirdness about it. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I guess he had that happen to him or that sighting within the same year as, uh, as my, my stepdad's experience. And it wasn't until at least a year had passed before I had my kind of encounter, you would say. And so what happened in uh, in my instance was, because we lived on the horse farm, like I was lucky enough to, to ride as a kid and have a, a pony and all that really fortunate stuff. So I used to do a ton of trail riding. And, you know, by the time I was like 11, 12, you know, I'd kind of like experienced enough and knew the, the property and the, the surrounding areas enough that my folks were fine with letting me go out by myself on uh, on these trail rides, right, with my mm -hmm. pony. So I was out doing that one night, as I did like a lot of summers back then. I don't know, I mean, I imagine this is probably very similar to a lot of like uh, upper New York State landscapes, you know, where it's kind of like discount uh, UK, where... <laughs> There's like a lot of a lot of old farm fields are still marked off by tree lines and old stone fences and 
you know, you, the the land is kind of laid out in that type of a fashion, right? Right. So, um, so I'm going along. I'm probably I'm uh, three fields behind the last horse paddock. So I'm a fair ways away from the barn, a little ways off the property at this point. There are some swampy areas and stuff, and other places where you couldn't just go, you know, what field to field as you were heading away. You kind of had to deke in and out of like little brush areas to get around swamp or get around fence lines or whatever. So. I came out of like a little cedar bush into this next field and um, I'm going along, going towards the back and there's a tree line up uh, ahead of me, kind of separating the, the next field over. So I can't see directly into it as I'm walking towards it, you know, mm-hmm. but as I'm getting closer and closer to the next field, the first thing that kind of tipped me off was my pony. You know, he perked up all of a sudden. Like, it's pretty, you know, this is a pony that you trust a little kid with. So it's very bomb-proof, like, very, you know, calm, cool, collected character, right? Right, yeah. So as we're going along, that was the first thing that let me know something else was around. Um, Because the pony, I could feel him get tense and perked his ears up and started like not snorting but really sniffing you know and if you've been around horses you probably know what I mean like kind of just uh you know when they're they're smelling what's coming downwind right Mm -hmm. so that kind of made me start looking around and then as we're coming around the corner like so now I would be uh walking about to be walking parallel to the next field back We come around that corner, and there's a break in the tree line where I can see through to what's over in the next field. And it's difficult because by the time I saw whatever I saw in the next field over, my pony had already seen it and decided he wanted nothing to do with it. (laughs) So it was kind of like as I saw it, the pony is already spooking and getting ready to run back towards the barn Mm -hmm. so it was a very brief glance but what I saw looking over back into the next field was like for lack of a better term basically just this giant white thing moving through the tall grass now it wasn't the way my brother described it though because he saw this weird mirage effect, which I never saw, and he also described it as being, like, quite significantly tall, like, anywhere from 10 to 15 feet, he said, in height, seemed to be, like, how high it stretched. Mm -hmm. And what I saw was, I'd say, maybe in the 10, 12 foot range, but it was, like, long, you know, it was, I don't know. And it was a little bit skewed because of how tall the grass is in those untended old fields or whatever. But uh, it was very long. And it seemed to be moving almost like a wave. Like as it was moving towards, away from me, I should say, as it was moving away from me towards the next tree line, it didn't stay uniform in height. It kind of seemed to move almost as like a wave would, like from side to side, like a wave in a bathtub, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. 
And like I said, it's a very brief glance. So I, I probably saw it, you know, do that wave motion twice before, you know, when I looked back, I couldn't see it anymore because the line of sight was gone. But yeah, so very, very long, um, horizontally. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, with the grass, I would guess maybe, you know, when the wave motion would come up one side, it would have gotten to maybe six feet, you know, from ground up. Mm-hmm. That's a very rough estimate, though. But yeah, definitely not quite the same as what my older brother had kind of described, but very just anomalous. Like, not a kind of shape that you would ever associate, really, with, like, an animal. or um, Right. Just lengthwise, though, are you talking, you know, length of a horse or longer? Longer. Longer, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, probably, like, a horse and a half. Okay. Maybe, maybe two horses. Okay. <laughs> since, yeah. since, we're, since that's the kind of... Uh, since we're already dealing with that kind of uh, subject matter. Yeah, well, I figured, you know, as a kid, that'd be something that you would yeah. be familiar with, the size of, and could probably judge it fairly well from that. Yeah, no, actually, that's really, that is a really good context to put it in for me. That does make it a lot easier to kind of narrow it down than just trying to guess feet or inches. Right, right. Yeah, so anyway, so I see this thing. It scares the absolute crap out of my pony, which in turn spooks me, too. The pony, like, takes off, freaking full speed, makes it almost all the way back to the barn before I can kind of like pull him up a little bit. And when we get back to the barn, my mom was outside. And so I start telling her what happened, right? I'm like, oh my goodness, I saw the white thing. Like, I don't know what it was. It was huge, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, she wasn't like super indulgent of the whole thing but she you know she wasn't just gonna like totally brush me off mm-hmm. uh, like she asked me some questions you know and well what did it look like what was it doing where did it go and I was having a really hard time articulating it like I still have a hard time articulating exactly how it seemed right mm-hmm. so at one point um, she asked me she said well did it look like if you threw a rock at it, it would hit it? And that, even as a little kid, really tripped me out. Because all of a sudden I was like, you know what? It didn't. It looked like if I threw a rock at it, I don't know if it would hit it or if it would go right through it or what. So that I remember, that part I almost remember like just as vividly as the sighting itself. Right. That, yeah, that's um, an interesting question to ask. Yeah, I think it was because I was just having such a hard time describing, you know, like, oh, but it was like, you know, it w- was moving funny, like up and down. And mm-hmm. and uh, so anyway, and then it's funny, actually, um, like I was telling you, I kind of went and re-interviewed my, my family about this prior to speaking with you. And uh, I talked to my mom about it again, just to ask what she remembered and everything. And she said... The one thing that made her kind of take me more seriously at the time was she said that she had never seen the pony look more terrified. Ah. You know, she said it was really obvious that something had actually unsettled the horse, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. and that he was, like, really worked up. 
So, and that kind of in hindsight to me too, I, I hadn't really considered that as much at the time, but now in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, you know, that kind of is an extra indication of something unusual, I think, because like I said, this was an older pony, super bomb proof, like, you know, the kind that you send your kid out on without thinking it's going to buck or rear or right. freak out, you know. And, you know, like, living where we were, too, like, the horses are, are used to seeing deer. They're used to seeing, hearing coyotes. Um, not to say that the wildlife won't spook them anyway, but she said it, it seemed like something a little more intense than anything, any reaction she'd seen before mm-hmm. from that, that horse, you know? It seems so funny to me because, in a way, it seems very anticlimactic and very not uh, not particularly not like not something you can really draw a lot of conclusions from yeah, and, yeah. but at the same time that's kind of what has kept me thinking about it I think all these years right like so I tell some some of my friends about it as a kid you know and then and as like teenagers like because I you know grew up friends with some of the kids in the area so they kind of knew my mom's property and all that kind of stuff you know, when we were little kids, like, no one I told really took me seriously. It was just like, yeah, you're making stuff up or whatever, you know. One of my friends later on suggested that maybe it was a snowy owl, because um, we do get snowy owls uh, in this area. But, it, I mean, there's there's no chance that it could have, a bird could have been that big. You know, that right. would be like... <laughs> That would be like mutant snowy owl territory. Yeah, yeah. At that point, it might as well be something paranormal if an owl's that big anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure like, someone has suggested moose to you before. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another kind of interesting, like, follow-up um, is because, you know, years and years later, my husband, who's from the same area but older than me, so, you know, when I was, like, 11, 12, riding my pony through the countryside, his friends were old enough to be hunting already, right? Mm-hmm. So he had, he actually had, when I told him about this story, it totally, like, rang this bell in his mind because he had a friend who used to hunt in that same area. He, you know, he can't really narrow it down to what year this would have been, but it was, you know, I'd say within, like, a, a three to four year range of the sightings that my family had he said the the friend he had he used to hunt out there claimed that he saw a giant white moose in the bush which is the closest thing to an explanation that i can think of for what i saw and for what my stepdad saw Mm -hmm. you know the crashing in the bush that could very well be a a really big moose because they are monstrous Um, (laughs) like they get huge and I was thinking maybe if it was a moose in some kind of stage of like getting up or something like in the because I've looked up albino moose since then and they can be absolutely pure white like even the antlers and I thought maybe that would explain the side to side motion perhaps you know like the kind of a moose antlers or Mm -hmm. a moose shaking its head in some way 
that's one possible thing. But I mean, even an albino moose sighting is extremely rare. Oh uh, yeah, it would, it's still amazing if that. Yeah. You know, I don't. I mean, <laughs> it sounds like there's something more to this. There's something that was particularly not even necessarily disturbing, but you know, unique or something about it told you, even as a kid, like pay attention to this. This something's not right here. Yeah. yeah. And the thing, too, there was no sound. Well, I mean, not that I could hear. Like, when I uh, was out riding and saw this thing, whatever it was, like, it didn't make any noise. I don't remember hearing it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if you know, a, a horse or a moose is, you know, kind of running. Maybe not at, like, might, maybe it would have to be at a full kind of gallop or something. But, you you know, you hear that rustle. You hear the, the weight of the hooves hitting the ground. And I don't remember any sound. Being interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I saw something one day, and it's very... We don't have moose here in Pennsylvania, not anymore. Long, long ago, many, many centuries ago we did, but not for 200 years. And I saw something one day, and I did hear a sound, which made me look up, and I saw this thing. It was huge, way bigger than anything that, that should be here in the woods. And my first thought went to moose because I, I had seen one in Massachusetts. My friend had a cabin out there and we'd seen one and, and it was, they're different. You know, having grown up on a farm myself, you know, and not seen a moose before, you think like, oh, big horse or something, you know, and uh, they're, they're bigger. They're, they're, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And, and this, that's the feeling I got from this, whatever this thing was, I saw was like, whoa, there's a, that's a moose, you know, which is absolutely impossible. Whatever it was, it wasn't a moose. But anyway, uh, it made no sound then. It shot very fast. It ran away from me through the brush in this very, very brushy area, and it didn't make a sound going through the brush. So that, I find that really, really interesting that, oh, that you note that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's like I said, it was. Um, it's so anomalous to me that I'm not really, like, comfortable pinning it down in any way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was very strange. It was very significant, obviously. Like, I, I think it's something I'll always remember. But, I mean, I guess the, the moose is the best kind of, for lack of a better word, reasonable explanation, right? Right. right. And uh, and the fact that my, my husband's friend thinks that he, he saw, like, a, a big albino moose hunting. And he's, um, the way my husband remembered his story, too, like, he didn't see it clearly. It was something he saw from a tree stand mm-hmm. uh, while he was deer hunting and kind of saw it, you know, moving off through the trees. Unfortunately, I, I couldn't get in touch with him, get any more any more details on, on that particular story from the area. Right. But yeah, yeah you know, and even um, I was looking into kind of, you know, albino moose and they do have a lot of significance for like native and indigenous people from this area and from the east coast of Canada too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're considered like a spirit or a, a totem animal that comes as a either as like a, a warning to people or as a as an ancestor sometimes. Um, you know, kind of come back to show themselves, I guess, to to their descendants. Um, so, you know, even even that in itself could have some kind of extra significance, I guess, you know, depending on on how you look at these things. Sure, yeah. How far away would you say this thing was from you when you were sitting on your pony? 
Uh, about almost a field length. I know, I'm sorry that that's so general. Mm-hmm. You know, if you kind of, I guess, one kind of field length around around there, a kind of average farmer's field or whatever, would be maybe like a, an, an acre? Okay. Or, yeah, I'd say about an acre. About an acre. So it's about uh, about half an acre, three quarters of an acre away from me. Okay. Because um, it was it was about three quarters of the way to the next tree line, sixty six feet. So yeah, it probably was about fifty fifty to sixty feet away. Okay, so that, that's fairly close. That's close enough to well, obviously you didn't determine what you were looking at, but I think it was it was something very normal certainly close enough to to you know recognize oh that's a deer or oh that's you know yeah uh, yeah exactly that's very interesting now did your family have any more strange encounters around there that property um nothing like that nothing involving the white thing ever again mm-hmm. uh, but my mom although she was the only one in the family that never saw the white thing and i i sounds really corny to me almost to be calling it that, but I mean, for lack of a better term, right? So she was the only one in the family that never saw that. But years and years later, she did see some weird lights around the house at night. She said she woke up one night and out her uh, bedroom window, she saw several like white balls of light like pass by the window about two, three in the morning, you know, mm. and whether that's related, whatever that was, I have no idea. It was quite some time after, though. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting, though. I, I don't know what the light phenomenon is, the weird lights, but it does seem to accompany all manner of other strangeness. So is this property still in your family? Yep, yep. It's very different now, unfortunately. Like the not the property itself, but the surrounding area has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a dirt road anymore. It's paved. Uh, every spare lot along it has been bought and had a house built on it. So yeah, it's it's a lot different now. But yeah, it's still there. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I know another. You know, because I I grew up in the, the same small area uh, most of my life. So you know, I've heard other stories from other people in the area. They're kind of weird experiences. Nothing like what my family experienced, but, you know, uh, I knew of one guy who said he had a UFO sighting fairly close to, to uh, where my family's property was. But nothing else kind of specific to, to that property or mm-hmm. that same vein of experiences that we had. I did have someone contact me now, and when you told me about this, when you you messaged me about this uh, originally, I, I said, I've heard something like this before, and this was very early on in the podcast, and I cannot find the email. I'm pretty sure that a person emailed me. I'm almost positive they were from Canada. What province? I'm not sure. But um, I'm almost positive they were from Canada, and they talked about a white animal, just like an unidentified animal. It was definitely white. And I believe they said it moved in an undulating motion. Really? Yeah. Oh, see, that's so fascinating to me because it's not like I've kind of been out there looking for similar experiences Mm -hmm. uh, in any kind of dedicated or systematic way. But 
you know, I've grown to become really interested in like fringe and paranormal topics and stuff like that. Like I, I really enjoy your podcast and others that deal with similar topics and stuff. And I have had yet to hear anything that kind of came closer, resembled what had happened to me. So, I mean, that's, to me, that's fascinating. Like I, it's one of the main reasons I was excited to talk to you because I was thinking, well, geez, maybe through this I'll hear, you know, some other similar story or something. Maybe someone has some similar experience that could kind of I can't guarantee it, but most likely someone will come forward. And, and I'm hoping this person, whoever it was, and I don't know whether they didn't want to come on and tell their story or sometimes I just I lose the thread. Um, you know, it's, it's a one-man show, and, and I get a yeah. lot of email, and sometimes I just lose the thread, and I might have dropped the ball. But I'm hoping whoever it was is still listening, and they will hear this, and they will contact me because it sounded so familiar to the point where I, I thought, you know, did you already contact me about this? And, and no, you hadn't. So hopefully this person will hear it and contact me again. But even if not, I will not be surprised if someone else doesn't contact us and say, I've seen something like that. As bizarre as the disembodied legs are, and we've gotten two stories of that so far, I'm now getting fairly regular disembodied leg submissions that people have seen. And that is just so bizarre. It's like, what a bizarre thing. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I, well, what really, uh, what spurred me to contact you was hearing, uh, I'm sorry, I forget the guest's name, but a uh, guest from Washington State who had a story about, and it was kind of interesting to me too, because he was around the same age in his story as I was when I had this sighting or whatever, his, his story about um, being out, you know, in a kind of like semi-rural wooded area and seeing this big white creature on the trail. And just the fact that it was white and kind of some of the other similarities in the story, but that in particular stood out to me because, I don't know, it just seems like that's never, you know, like I've heard other accounts of people seeing that kind of mirage or uh, Mm -hmm. or predator effect in the woods before. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, lots of like weird crashes, lots of... You know, whether they're like Bigfoot or cryptid sightings of all kinds, but never anyone saying, you know, especially not in this region of of the country or the the continent even, saying, you know, it was something white. So that really stood out to me. And then the other part of his story that really, I mean, it wasn't kind of like page-for-page similar, but just... The fact that he said later on, reminiscing about this encounter with it, one of his friends who was there at the time, that his friend had remembered it as being a, a black entity, yes, not yes. a white one. And that really resonated with the kind of question my mom had asked me about, you know, like if you threw a rock at it kind of thing. Like for some reason that suggested to me like a similar kind of, I don't know, spiritual or supernatural mm-hmm. property of some kind. Yes. Um, yes. There, so there's... that story really, like, that's when I had to write to you and be like, you know, I got to tell someone else about this. <laughs> yeah, I, well, that's one of my favorite Bigfoot encounters for that exact reason. The fact that these two guys were both affected deeply. And by the way, there was a third guy there who says he saw nothing. So, you know, right. how do you, yeah. what do you do with that one? But these two guys both agree that they saw, you know, a big hairy monster 
but can't agree on the color of it. They're literally opposite on the color of it, you know, and, yeah. and its intentions. And uh, that's just fan- completely fascinating to me. Completely <laughs> fascinating. That episode was The Beast. I forget what episode number it was. And pretty sure the guy's name was Gage who told the story. But uh, yeah, that's been one of my favorite Bigfoot encounters, at least of recent times that I've heard because of, because of that. It's just completely fascinating. Very, very fascinating. Well, Lorraine, thank you so much. Oh, before you go, let me ask you one more question. Okay. Have you, at any time in your life, experienced sleep paralysis? No. By sleep paralysis, you mean like that kind of uh, like waking up um, paralyzed or like a, a in between waking and dream state, like as if yeah. you can't yeah. move. Yeah. No. Okay. No, I've never, I've never experienced that. Okay. It's something I ask just everybody on the regular, and uh, I most of the time people have but uh, i think i think most people in general have experienced it so i'm not sure there's a definite connection between seeing strange things and later in life having sleep paralysis but it is something i ask people yeah no no worries i uh i've heard you ask it before <laughs> yeah well lorraine thank you so much for sharing your story thank you very much for having me on it's uh i really appreciate it and uh i'm really looking forward to maybe hearing about someone else's similar experience or anyone with any ideas on what the heck happened. Yeah. Like I said, I can't promise it, but I am fairly (laughs) confident we'll be hearing something. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I want to thank our patrons who make strange familiars possible. Thank you so much patrons. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for your support. We literally could not do the show without you. If you want to help us make Strange Familiars and get extra shows besides, I think there's almost 60 of them right now. We're headed to 60 patron shows soon. You can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. $3 a month gets you those full extra episodes of Strange Familiars, but there are other levels of support there as well. You can get things like t-shirts, stickers, pins, and more. Go ahead and check it out. Patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon, you can make a one-time donation. Just go to strangefamiliars.com, look in the show notes under any episode, and you'll see a paypal.me link. You can go ahead and click that and make a one-time donation. Everyone can help by sharing the show on social media, by liking and subscribing wherever you're listening, wherever you listen to podcasts, and by leaving us those nice five-star reviews, which helps get the show in front of new potential listeners. I want to thank Dark Matter Digital Network for their donation. Thank you. It's a huge help. And now we move on to Photo of the Week. I really think we need a theme song. Got on that. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the stereo views, which I have to say, I think you've softened on stereo views lately. I think in times past, you're kind of like, eh, they're just stereo views. Yeah, but I really, there's some really unique imagery, and I I just like the format. Yeah, I mean, and it's still... Lost media. Still counts as an old-timey photograph. Absolutely, yeah. So, when they were making stereo views back in the 1800s, did they have to hand-glue these on the cards? All the photos are hand-glued on the cards. And they would would have been hand-printed... You know, one at a time. Basically, a, a human is printing these photographs. Yeah, mm-hmm. so a lot of work goes into making lo- stereo. Yeah, a lot of work, and that's why you occasionally get different and better prints. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the same stereo view 
And sometimes just from the left to the right, you can even see like an ever so slight, the contrast is just ever so slightly darker on the right side than the left. Look at her face. Mm-hmm. And so there are just ever so slight differences that make them unique. So this one... Sort of echoes the famous spirit photography that was common yeah, in yeah. the Victorian era. And this is an angel overlooking a little girl sleeping on a bed with a crazy quilt on it. Yeah, I initially thought that this might have been a postmortem because the girl's there. It is not. She's just asleep yeah. or probably fake asleep. Mm-hmm. But it has this ghostly kind of angel above her. The card's titled Her Guardian Angel. There's a whole poem on the back uh, printed in perhaps Southern vernacular and a little explanation about the card and a little story about a girl and her guardian angel. But uh, I chose this one just because of its, its very ghostly nature. You can see an image of the stereo view card if you go to the show notes under this episode at strangefamiliars.com. Click on that image. It'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can find this and a few other photos of the week, which are left from previous weeks. You can also find artwork, copies of my books, copies of my music, and more there at Etsy. It's shop name Lost Grave, or you can just look up Strange Familiars. We should come up. I think that's it for this week. Again, if you're going to virtually attend the Strange Realities Conference, strangerealitiesconference.com, I will be speaking on Sunday. Otherwise, we will be back soon with another episode of Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more, darkhollerarts.com. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars.
inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.